Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by The Restless Store. If you haven't already, you can go to therestlesspodcast.com and click on the store tab to find all of the restless swag you have wanted, with more being added all the time. You've heard us mention shirt ideas on the show, and now you can own them. Restless logo shirt, Women Need Pastors 2, Ecclesiology Matters, and now available for the very first time, the Nuance shirt. You always pick Nuance. Well, then this is the shirt for you. Once again, to support the show, go to therestlesspodcast.com, visit the store tab, and get yourself something neat. This is Restless. Welcome back. We are starting Restless Summer. Pastor Michael, Restless Summer is here where we hang loose, we crack wise, we interview guests. How are you doing today? You ready for Restless Summer to begin? I feel good. You can't see it, but I am recording this right now from a hammock outside. Uh, I'm swinging. The breeze is nice. I'm not actually, it's actually storming here. So if something cuts out and one of uh, us, Matt or I disappear, it's probably because there was lightning, there was loss of power, and that's just how it's going to be. But I'm excited to be here and excited that we're not alone. We are always here and we are breaking the fourth wall as usual, letting you behind behind the scenes here on the podcast. So it's a it's a great day for us here on Restless because we are joined by a new friend, but someone who um, I've listened to and has kind of ran in some of the similar circles. And we actually had someone tell us how great it would be if we got him on the show. So we are joined today by Pastor Aldo from Pinelands PCA. Is that your church? Yes, sir. Pinelands yeah. Presbyterian. Uh, and, and it's funny because we're called Pinelands Presbyterian and uh, it's Miami where it's all palm trees and not really <laughs> pine trees. So <laughs> how did you get the name then? That's interesting. I, I guess there was pine trees somewhere, somewhere in Miami at, when they thought of it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe like there was like one little place where they had like a little pine tree garden who knows <laughs> so go figure you would think it'd be palm palm yeah. tree lands or something yeah yeah but yeah i, I i've been uh, listening to you guys for a while too so it's kind of cool uh to you know get that message uh from from mike or michael michael How, you go by mike or michael whatever works on this podcast i go by pastor michael so that's okay. that's okay. the the lingo here but it really whatever okay. works for me yeah, yeah, I've been following you guys. Uh, you know, walk through New Calvinism, and and uh, that's been uh, very interesting for me to, to to hear that actual that actually being like a regular conversation in the podcast world, which um, is very much the world I come from too. So, yeah, yeah. that was really, it was really cool to get that invitation. I was like, yeah, sure, I'm down. You know, right sign on. me up. Well, well, we're excited to be talking to you um, and Pastor Aldo Leon. We want to. Uh, why don't you tell? people just a little bit about yourself yeah where they can find you online a little bit about your ministry your church and then we'll uh we'll talk more about your coming to the reformed faith which i think will be a great great conversation cool uh so i am a, a teaching elder in the pca uh been in the pca since about 2016 and uh, i'm in miami florida in the cutler bay area which is south miami Pinelands Presbyterian Church is my church. Uh, I've been there for a year and a half. I was a church planner before I was the pastor of Pinelands, and I brought 
my church plant into Pinelands, and we had a wonderful marriage of different kinds of people that have been figuring that out for the last year and a half. Uh, you can find me uh, on a couple places. I have a podcast uh, called uh, uh, Saints and Sinners, which is me uh, talking to theology with two confessional Baptists. Yes, there are some confessional Baptists. Um, they exist. And um, also uh, Gospel on Tap is another podcast that uh, is a bit different. Um, me talking uh, with people in my church and in the PCA world more. Uh, and then, you know, you can find us on the YouTube page at Pineland. So yeah, those are, those are my public places. You can see me on Twitter too, you know, um, talking, uh, junk with, uh, you know, all the wonderful reform people on there. So, yeah. You will have a good time if you follow Aldo on Twitter. So <laughs> want to make sure you at least, at least do that much. If you're listening here today, maybe someday if I'm, uh, if I'm ever naming a church plant here in the Midwest where we have lots of pine trees, we can get a sister church up here, Pinelands Presbyterian, and we can uh, have some pine trees around. So that makes that probably makes more sense in Wisconsin, you know. But <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. I I think you'd uh, I think you'll enjoy um, both of his podcasts, either one, and especially a follow on Twitter. So we're excited to have you. We're excited. We'll probably. Uh, continue the conversation after this normal podcast with maybe some more uh, detailed stuff. We rarely talk kind of inside PCA baseball stuff here on the podcast because we are a um, discussion about new Calvinism. And obviously the PCA is related, but PCA uh, General Assembly and the state of the PCA is a bit uh, is a bit more presbycast than restless. But we're, we're hopeful to talk about it, and you can join us probably on Patreon if you want to hear about that, especially with GA coming up in yeah. a couple of weeks here. So yeah. that'll be a cool conversation. But we always love talking about the Reformed faith. We love, especially in the summertime, kind of hearing from people how they came to the Reformed faith, what drew them, what, what impacts they had, and if there are any, you know, any collisions along the way with the new Calvinists. Uh, as you go. So, uh, Aldo, why don't you tell us just a little bit about, um, how you, how you came to the reformed faith, even how you became a Christian, if that's, uh, if that's a big part of the story too. Okay. So, uh, I got into boxing cause I wanted to learn how to hurt people really well. That got me into Eastern religions and all these, uh, you know, Zen Buddhist books. I read, uh, a Zen Buddhist book that said Westerners should like get in touch with Jesus. Cause he's like a real inspiring guru. So um, I started getting into Eastern religions through boxing and uh, started, you know, actually went to a Buddhist temple once. It weirded me out, never went back again. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, let me just do the Buddhism thing on my own. And, my, you know, and I had beads and all this stuff and it was, it was strange. And so I picked up the New Testament because of this Buddhist book and I saw I got converted. I was like, I was like reading the words of the new King of the King James version and I was like, I believe these words. I don't know why I believe these words. I don't want to believe these words, but I have to believe them. So I, I became uh, reformed by experience. Um, so I, I knew there was no possible way for me to accept this unless something, someone forced me to do it. Uh, you know, the term forced later became understood by me as like irresistible grace. Um, so I remember like when I was going to church with my wife, my, you know, my soon to be wife. 
And the people were asking me like, Hey, when did you decide to follow Christ and accept him? And I was like, I didn't, he, he grabbed me and said, I accept you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, that was like, God. My, yeah. hallelujah. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I met some guy, uh, at this, you know, street evangelism thing who just started talking about like, you know, Paul Washer and John Piper and all this stuff. And, um, that, so like I, very quickly, I went from being experiential reform to, you know, being a uh, Calvinistically reformed, like just, you know, five points of Calvinism, Yeah. That, which is iceberg. How quick was that? How, like, how fast was that jump? I mean, you like, just went from, you know, I was just boxing yeah. to beat people up and now all of a this sudden, like, boom, this, this through like Buddhism, I got saved by Christ, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like, so this is only like a, year. a year. That's a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was going to church with my wife. She was dating me because I was, a, I, you know, she, I was a bad guy that was cool to date, I guess. She shouldn't be dating me. And, um, and I'll go to church with her and I'd be like, this is the most stupid, idiotic, insane thing. And then like months later, I'm like, you know, repentance, faith, hell, judgment, Christ, you know, it was, it was, it was like that. It was very, um, dramatic, you know? And, and so I was, you know, I I started looking for a church that had, uh, what I believe was reformed when reformed for me was more systematic, you know, those, the, the five points, and uh, that led me, you know, so I went to Mark Devers church and it was like, you know, Oregon and hymn book. So my wife is going to like, you know, like, you know, evangelical non-denominational, like Hillsongy kind of like church. Hmm. And she's following me. And I go to, I take her to, you know, um, um, Mark Devers church in DC. And she's like, no, we're not, I'm not doing <laughs> <it."> <laughs> So so that led me to uh, a few other places. You know, we went to one church where there were everyone, all the women were wearing like long skirts and they had, everyone had eight kids. And my wife was like, no, you know? And then finally we went to Sovereign Grace uh, where Joshua Harris was a pastor and we heard Calvinistic preaching. And my wife was like, okay, this is not weird to me culturally, no. you know? And, and so that's where uh, I was baptized. Uh, that's where I became a, a member and I became a part of a church plant in the Arlington area because at first we were driving all the way to Gaithersburg, Maryland from the Northern Virginia area. And it was like 45 minutes. And I was like, I don't care how long it is. I, I, I want to hear someone preach about a big God. Mm. And, uh, you know, got baptized there. And, uh, and was Joshua Harris a pastor at that point? This is yes. later. Okay. No, he, he, was a, he was a senior. That was like, I guess you could say in the, in the basketball terms, that was him in his prime. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. And CJ had already, you know, you know, kind of taken the step back and I immediately real. So I got in, I was really excited, but very shortly after getting in there, I was like, I probably can't stay here too long. And there's a few things that happened. The first was when I was getting baptized, um, they had a prayer circle around me and some woman started speaking in, um, um, what I call gibberish and, she just started like going, like she's just speaking in gibberish around me. And I, and I, I was looking around and I was like, does anybody else hear like this? This is, this is weird. <laughs> like I'm a new believer and like, blah, 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 blah. yeah. And I was like, okay, like there's something about this church that like I just discovered. And then I, as I went further in, it's like the whole reform charismatic and, mm-hmm. you know, the, they had the prophecy, Mike, uh, you know, where someone would get up and like the Lord impressed upon me and, and then he had like the private practice of tongues that was encouraged, but not publicly. And so I was like, I don't know what this is, but I know I'm not that. And I know it doesn't make sense for me. 
Um, and so around that time, my pastor at Sovereign Grace was telling me like, hey, why don't you think about seminary? Um, and through this whole conversation of like reform, charismatic, charismatic is strange, uh, seminary, I decided to go all the way uh, to LA to the master seminary to pursue my uh, journey in the reformed faith, which is kind of ironic because I, I don't think that's exactly the, the, where you, the place you go if you're looking for the reformed faith, but that's, that's where I went yep. um, because um, I guess I just felt like uh, I was, as a young Christian, um, I was around a lot of people that were very uh, skittish about their faith, very timid about their faith. And then when I started looking at MacArthur and the Master Seminary, I saw like a lot of boldness, clarity, tenacity, uh, you know, and I was like, I was drawn to that as a young Christian. So, you know, I decided to move out of reform charismaticism, which I never was really in, um, but I was there into the dispensational Calvinistic predestinarian uh, reform world in the, in the Master Seminary where I was at for, for four years. Um, and so what led me, now steering into like, okay, how do, how, how do I become a, how do I become a covenantal confessional uh, Presbyterian? Um, I, something was really off as I was, uh, you know, working out and flushing out like uh, my faith in like these circles. And I was like, um, these guys seem to oftentimes miss Christ in a lot of places. Um, there's a pietism, there's like a, a obsession about like um, ourselves and our virtue and our morality that just seems kind of strange. Um, and I didn't know exactly why it was, but I, I remember I, I would read a Puritan book here and there. And I was like, these guys are pretty godly, but they're pretty obsessed mm. with Christ a lot. And I hear a lot about Israel, um, sometimes equatable or, or in parallel ways to Christ. Um, you guys are really grumpy all the time. I, I don't know. It's just something about, you know, <laughs> and for me to say that is strange because I'm not exactly known for being like, you know, like the cuddly, wuddly, you know, reform guy, but there was something missing. And, um, there was, a, there was a, a, uh, I would say an obsession mm. about our own virtue that led to like a, a bit of a, a self-righteous bent, um, a, a, a harshness, a harshness with, with God's people, um, mm. sheep beating. I remember like in seminary, when I was in class, I was like, I would want none of these guys, well, I'm going to say none of these guys, I, a lot of these guys, I wouldn't want them anywhere near a sheep, you know? Wow. Um, and I think one of the things that people don't realize is that, you know, it's one thing for MacArthur and in, in 40 years of ministry um, to be as bold and, and tenacious as he is in the spaces that he is. But when, you know, young guys see that person and are, they're not that person and they begin to embody and imitate that person. It's almost like putting on Saul's armor. It doesn't work. Mm. Um, and it'd be, you know, it's, it's, so I think, uh, MacArthur is actually not as problematic as I think a lot of the MacArthurite followers are, to be honest. Mm, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that was just a, a moment of like, I, I don't understand what is going on here. Like, I feel like I want a more Christ centered, um, consistency. I feel like I want like a, I want to be assured that I'm saved, not always being, there's always like in, in, in the, in the, in the reform world, that's dispensational Baptist. This, there's always this quest for the true church within the false church, you know? Yep. And it's like every sermon, it's like, are you really a Christian? You know? And, and I was like, yeah, I know I'm a Christian, but like, it's almost like, a, I felt like 
a little bit like in, in the Roman Catholic world, like assurance is like a this negative thing, and and and, and it felt kind of it felt medieval Catholic sometimes. Um, so I come down to Miami to church plant with the SBC. That's a long story. I don't want to make it extra long. And um, you know, I became Acts twenty nine. Um, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to plant a church in the SBC, I think I need a little bit more of like a theological uh, narrowness because the SBC is like you know, super, super broad. And so when I thought, okay, I'm Calvinistic, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm missional, like, I don't even like that word anymore, because it's been hijacked um, so much. Um, so I think, you know, doing things Acts 29 um, would be uh, good, particularly because um, they had shifted from, from the Driscoll uh, days to the, you know, I think the Matt Chandler days, which was more about holiness you know, gospel application, gospel centeredness, and less about like, I think the things that were a little bit more pronounced before. Mm. So, you know, I'm in Miami and uh, I'm, I'm church planning. I'm in the SBC and I'm in X-29. And um, I just, I, I kept having issues um, with the things that I was addressing before. I feel like the Christ centeredness is, is somewhat um, lacking. Uh, I feel like pietism and piety is, is, uh, is um, highly subjective. Mm. Um, I feel like there's a broadness. I mean, when I was in the SBC and I was like, okay, now I'm an X-29 and, and, I'm, and, and it's like the, the, the level of broadness um, was so broad that I didn't feel like it was actually conducive to actually doing um, true church plants, you know, because you got some guys that are like, they don't have elders. Some guys, they do have elders. You know, some guys, you know, are, 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 uh, you know, Calvinistic and other guys are, you know, they're four point Calvinists. Some guys are five point Calvinists. And you got some guys who are like, Hey, speak in tongues. And some guys are like, don't speak in tongues. And so I was like, uh, the, the, the level of broadness, uh, on the ground, um, didn't seem to be helpful for me. Mm. Um, every, every guy becoming is, it, it pretty much came down to like every guy was his own confession. Yeah. Mm. Every, every personality was own confession. And, and um, I saw that becoming problematic. And now it's really problematic when you see the, the wokeness that has infected a lot of the A29 world. And it, it really comes down to whatever the powerful personality is, is holding to in the moment, ergo's like, I guess, the, the rest of, of, of the denomination. Yeah. Um, and so th those are the kind of things that were like leading me to, okay, I feel like I need more boundaries. I feel like I need more accountability. I feel like I need um, um, a smaller fence. I feel like I need a, a, a consistent Christ-centered worldview mm. in everything all the time, you know, and um, eventually that just led me into um, the, the, the PCA world. You know, it, I, I could, I could, I could say a lot of things. I was preaching through Galatians, and seeing the continuity between, you know, Abraham and us. Mm. You know, that was a part of it. Um, and I, I guess here's here was the X factor for me, guys. I was so desperate. Like I, I, I feel like First Corinthians fifteen, I delivered to you that which is of first importance, and it's all these things about the narrative of Jesus. And I was like, I know that He is the supreme one that in, in, in whom and through whom and for whom everything in the Christian life orbits around. And it seems like the only people that are helping me really do that consistently are these Presbyterian folks, you know, <laughs> you 
And, but there was Westminster West guys, which, you know, I, I learned a lot from them. And I was like, I really want to, you know, uh, take up the Apostle Paul seriously. And, and, you know, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I, I really want to live out of that, like, Christological epicenter all the time. And the only guys that were helping me do that all the time were these weird Presbyterians who baptized their kids and hold to, like, these historic documents. And so, you know, that just kind of, like, that was, like, kind of, like, my journey um, into the, the reform world. And I realized that reformed is more than five points, not less than five points. Um, it is a way of governing a church. It is a way of, of seeing um, theology throughout history. Uh, it is a way of seeing um, the scriptures with this big overarching one covenant of grace narrative. And I was like, finally, finally, like all of like the things, because I, I think the problem with like I'm not trying to like knock on like, you know, uh, the uh, reformedish world. When I say reformedish, you know what I mean? Um, I'm, not trying, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I feel like it's, it's, it's like, you're trying to, you know, um, you're trying to take pieces of furniture out of, out of this household yep. um, devoid of the totality of the household. And it just doesn't seem to like make sense and fit. At least for me, it's like something's missing, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that the yeah, analogy right. that I use a lot for this is that it's like, you know, in kind of the, the vague evangelical world, you're out in the garage, like you're, you know, it's connected to the house, you're out of the rain maybe, but like you're just in the garage and then somebody finds a door into the mud room and it's like, they're like, guys, look at this, right? Like this is five point Calvinist. This is like the young restless reformed, like look in here, like there's, there's a whole nother room, right? And it's out of the garage and we're more out of the elements and like, look at these things that it has. And then they stop there and it's like, man, there's another door. And inside that door, there's a kitchen and a living room yeah, and a yes. fireplace. And there's room for the kids upstairs yes. and their bedrooms. Yeah. And like, there's so much here. There's a basement and a foundation. Like yeah. you can't believe what's all in here. And yes. you're just missing it. Cause you just stopped there. I yes. want you to see the rest of it. Mm. Yeah, so absolutely. It, that's a good, that's, that's a good. It sounds like Aldo that um, you should probably do a podcast on new Calvinism since you started with uh, <laughs> Joshua Harris and uh, um, the uh, charismatic Calvinists, you went to J Mac and all of the guys out there before trying to do an Acts 29 church plant <laughs> before coming to confessional reform Christianity. I feel like you crossed and you moved across the country, right? I just, yeah. I just listened online to all these things, yeah, yeah. you know, but well, well, you know what? You got you guys are doing that, you know. So yeah, <laughs> you, you guys, you guys, you guys got you guys do it really good, you know. Um, yeah. So it's funny, like when people tell me, like when I talk to like you know the Acts twenty nine world now, when I talk to like like the the Baptist world, they're like, yeah, you don't understand. And it's like, what do you mean? Like I was you, right? When I talk to dispensationalists, I was like, I was you. I I I persecuted a millennialist, you know. I, I persecuted. <laughs> baby baptizers i was with you i was throwing rocks with you what do you mean i don't understand your world you know what i'm saying like you know like uh, you don't get the missional church i was like yes i was there with you guys being the missional guy um and you know i saw you see the fruits of it um over time and by god's grace um you know you're able to uh i think continue to like evaluate like uh where you are and I think for me, it really comes down to like when, when you're pastoring a church, it's one thing if you're, if, you're, if you're debating these things conversationally on the internet, 
categorically, even academically, but when you're pastoring people mm. and you, and you're caring for people and like, it really comes down to, does this protect the sheep and feed them? Mm. Not just right now, but like long-term, like, and I, and I noticed it's like just those, um, those other traditions and ways of fleshing out, like, you know, uh, belief and practice, um, they were about as good as the moment and as good as the present personality and pastor. And they, they, they didn't have enough robust, um, grounding to, to, I think, really stabilize a church, um, presently and and in the future, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why we do this podcast, right? Like literally like we saw that, right? Like we've, we've experienced and we know that there's so many people out there that have still been in it, maybe still are in it. Right. And they've like, they're starting to see it like, whoa, what, like what happened? What happened to the gospel coalition? They used to talk about Jesus all the time. And now they're telling me like how to do workplace safety and like all this stuff, like what's what's going on? Let's discuss Uh, gun control. Yeah, I think control. <laughs> the other yeah. really interesting thing you brought up is this idea that I think you just hear people say this all the time from it doesn't matter of any of the kind of reformed ish new Calvinist world is man all my favorite. Uh, and I just want you to talk more about this because I thought it was so interesting. This idea everyone always says, man, all my favorite writers, all my favorite theologians, they're Presbyterians and they're not. And you kind of you kind of indicated that. And what do you think the dynamic is going on there? Or at least what was it, what was going on there for you that you kind of, that, you know, you realized that as you were working through that. When you say like the dynamic, like, you mean like, what, why what? do you think? I, what, why yeah. Think why I is there? Ever, yeah. Why were all your favorite kind of theologians Presbyterian or what did they have? What did they have as a resource to give you that you couldn't get from either? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it really comes down to this. When I would read these guys, I would get over myself and be more into like the Lord's glory. And, mm. and I would understand myself mm. as being summarized and recapitulated in, in, in Christ. And I feel like when I would read other people, it was more I would be hyper self-aware and, and hyper self-obsessed. Um, so it really comes down to like, you know, does somebody make you more impressed with the Lord or self-obsessed with yourself when mm-hmm. you hear them? And I think a lot of self-obsession is paraded as being God obsessed. So I think, yep. you know, like I'm, you know, what do they say? Like I'm glorifying God and I'm loving God and I'm serving God and I'm loving God and I'm serving God. And it's like, yeah, you're talking about God, 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 but it's really just you, 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 you know? Mm. Yep. Um, and so it was just, and, and I, here's, here's, it really comes down to like, when I was into the more subjective, less grace, covenant of grace, that's another thing like covenant of works and covenant of grace. If you don't have those, if you don't have those categories, you will preach the covenant of grace. You will understand grace in this conditionality that is very, uh, medieval Catholic, whether you, you know, whether it's in those terms or not. But when you separate the covenant of grace from the covenant of works, it's very clear, um, you know, how God relates to his people. I will, I will, I will, I will, I did. Um, and, you know, Genesis 12, you know, like Ezekiel 36. Um, and I noticed it like I was, I had this big God theology, but I wasn't very nice to my wife. Um, I wasn't very loving and patient with my kids. I was, I was just a jerk, you know? Um, and so I think I was like, man, like, why am I so God centered 
And yet I'm such a hard person to live with, you know? <laughs> and the more um, I was, I was, you know, being brought into like this, I will, I will, I did, I did kind of, you know, God uh, centeredness in like this covenant of grace, uh, you know, world in Genesis, in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, in, in all the scriptures, not in some of the scriptures, sometimes, you know, that's another thing. Sometimes God is, you know, really gracious. And sometimes God is really just, you know, uh, a legalist or, or a legalistic, you know, no, in all the scriptures, like he's relating to us um, based upon himself. I noticed like that was, it was giving me like a, a tenderness in my, towards my family, um, a, a softness to the people of God and difficulty, a, a patience um, that I didn't have when I was like in the other world. And, and some people may say, well, um, don't you know people that like are, are, are like, you know, more reformed Baptists and, and not like, you know, in, in the Presbyterian world that like are, you know, can, can be godly people. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure there is, but I'm saying for me, mm-hmm. um, a, a religion that, that was a piety that was very, very much, very much more about me loving Jesus um, first than being loved by Christ first. Um, it, it didn't make me a, a very easy person to live with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I was always like looking at everybody like, why aren't you like me? Why aren't you reading like me? Why aren't you praying like me? Why aren't you, you know, evangelizing like me? And it, it, instead of like Hebrews, you know, what he, Hebrews is a great example of like how, like to pastor somebody, they were on the fence and it's like, Christ is better than this. He's better than that. He's better than this. He's better than that. He's this for you. Don't, isn't, isn't that, isn't he great? Isn't he enough? You yeah. know, instead of just like, you know, just, and, and you have those like warning passages, yeah, but it's almost like in 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 the uh, in in the kind of like um, non covenantal gracious world, I feel like f- passages like examine yourself become almost like the architectonic principle um, mm-hmm. to govern everything. And it's funny how um, a lot of the gospel guys, you know, five six years ago. Um, they were, you know, they were on that whole gospel train, but they weren't on the covenant of grace, you know, like reform, like, I guess, you know, uh, worldview, um, now like they're like, um, they're some of like the, um, most antinomian, most loose or most legalistic that you see now. It's interesting. I I don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. have thought through that. Yeah, no, this is something I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine once on the phone and we were just talking and one of the things that came up. Um, I think he said it to me, it was something like, how come all the guys I know who were a part, who were like in this like gospel center movement, right? They talked like all they talk about is gospel, but how come those guys all of a sudden are like the most moralistic about everything? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like why, like, what is that? And, and they're so worried about their salvation and they're so like, there's all these problems, like what's going on? How could this be? Um, and ultimately it came down to, well, that wasn't like, it wasn't actually gospel centered, right? It's kind of like you, yeah, yeah. you were talking about how, like, you know, each personality, each man kind of becomes his own confession, his own doctrine. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, you know, one of the reasons we, you know, uh, loved, uh, a lot of what happened in the young restless and reform movement is there was like, it was like, it was just evangelicalism, right? Like it was just that same, um, like personality focused man centered kind of way of thinking about things. And then there was that little glimpse, right, of that big God. There was that little glimpse of that grace. There was that little bit that it was like, whoa, actually, there is something, you know, um, greater, greater here yeah. than you. And it got yeah. you out of yourself. Um, yeah. And so, like, that 
that kind of, you know, work, I, you know, it's so funny that the, you know, the people who so often used, you know, the gospel, right? Like it's all about the gospel did yeah. become some of the most moralistic of yeah. people. Have you guys ever thought about this? But I, I, a part of me believes that the, the gospel movement for some was nothing more than the latest version of the church growth movement because it was cool and it was in. Yep. And I, I say that because now a lot of the gospel guys, they're, you know, all this, they're all, a lot of them are now the social justice guys. And my one, my question is why were you this? And now you're this. And they say, no, I'm always a gospel guy, but now, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Um, you sound different. You talk different. You lead differently. Um, and I, I think it comes down to like the church growth movement is, you know, it's, it's always like a new spirituality that is kind of like culturally like driven but missiologically, like, you know, suppose, suppose it's missiological. And this is, you know, it for a while, like the gospel thing was cool. It was in, and it was like a, a kind of like a, like a version of the church growth movement. And now it's out. And now it's, you know, the side, I say side B, the side B, you know, revolutionized gospel, the, 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 uh, the, the social gospel, the, the liberation theology gospel, not, not side A. Okay. Right. Side B, because it's just, it's just in it. And I guess if you don't like, if you don't have a theology um, that is historically grounded throughout the centuries, right. Um, preserved throughout the centuries, you're going to always be uh, vulnerable to just the latest movement that I guess this new spirituality that's going to capture people and you're just going to jump on every train. And then, and then when people, you know, fall off the train, you're like, Oh, you're going to wonder like, what is going on? It's because, you know, you, you just have like, um, you have like this, you bought into like this church growth, um, spirituality, revivalistic, uh, spirituality that, that doesn't have like, I think a deep historic, uh, transcendent grounding that goes beyond like the latest version of how Christianity, um, is effective, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, right in, in our early episodes, when we, when we talked to our sociologist friend about how the big names in new Calvinism, like Reformed theology said, hey, we're going to take the most influential spots in evangelicalism to, and right, they're like out of a good motive to preserve it for, you know, a conservative, right, inerrancy, you know, these kind of five points of Calvinism theology, right? At that point, if you were a church growth person, well, now what's the quickest path to a conference stage, right? Mm -hmm. Or getting your podcast talent? Of course, the answer is gospel. My big concern when I think about it is when people talk about it being how, you know, if it was effective, my big concern is, did it just kind of become the gospel is God's radical acceptance of you, no matter what? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's another part of it. That's the thing that scared that's me. Another part of it. The, 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 it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know it. It sounded it. I, I wasn't able to like see it at first, but as time went on, I was like, "Yeah, this is a therapeutic gospel." Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 almost like it, it reminds, and you can see it in, our, in in a lot of our songs and singing. Mm. Um, it's this like uh, boyfriendish, uh, romanticized. Um, uh, I think makes me feel good about myself. Um, um, spirituality that it's it's has a lot of gospel i guess clothes 
but you know, it's, it's, it's really not um, the gospel uh, at all, you know? And I, 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 I was like, uh, I saw this with Tulian, you know, at first I was like, yep. Oh man, like finally, like somebody is exalting like Christ. And I was like, Oh, okay. Now I see. Yep. Um, this yeah, is, I, a, yeah. And, and this was is the exact like, name on my mind when I was yeah, saying that exact and, name. And, yeah, and this is why, like, I think the Reformed tradition, particularly the Westminster tradition, um, really helped me through that because it starts, our, our confession starts with scriptures, then it goes to the doctrine of God, mm. right? So the gospel is not supreme. God himself is supreme, and the gospel is significant because the glory of God is supreme, and God is glorified through the gospel, so the gospel involves me, but it's not ultimately about me. And I think that's what I really get um, from, you know, like our, our standards uh, and our catechisms. And that, that's what I, you know, I, I lead people through is like, listen, like the reason the gospel is this is because God is supreme and, yeah. and, and, and that's what it's about. But in, in the gospel movement, like the gospel is important because it makes you feel good about being, you know, being so bad. And the gospel is important because it fixes your neighborhood. And the gospel is important because it makes race issues better. And I'm not saying that's not why it's important, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Even if, even if it even does, it does that. do those things. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because it's important because of what you're saying. And this is, this is the, like, what should actually give the regenerate chills of like, it's important because it's the only way to know God right? That's why it's important. It's the only way to be reconciled to God in Christ. Whoa. Yeah. And he is that he's supreme. He's important. His glories, yeah. his glory is um, what matters way more than how I feel about still not being a great dad or, you know, my neighborhood being not good or me having issues with different yeah. races, different people with different political views or whatever. Yeah. Well, and yeah. when it's therapeutic, it like, you know, you were talking about the, just the pietism that you see in so many branches and that, you know, this kind of, you know, either you go the direction of antinomianism or some kind of legalism. Uh, but for sure, like, you know, either way, there's this, like, you know, there's still this moralism at the heart of either I'm just denying this thing or accepting it as the way I now need to live. But what, like that happens because you, like, if you're, focus is not the glory of God, right? Like that is actually central. That is the purpose of all of this. Um, then when you say gospel center, what you're really saying is the part of it that I'm in, right? Like whatever, whatever I'm a part of, that's what matters, but that's yeah. not like that doesn't, when you hear that kind of gospel preached, right? Whatever you want to call that, if it truly is the gospel, right? Like, uh, whatever that is, that man centered or, or more selfish kind of version, um, like that doesn't get you out of yourself, right? Like that yeah, doesn't yeah. get you to see the glory of God. And when yeah, you can't yeah. see the glory of God, right? When you're still just stuck on you, um, your options are either that just like you're still dead in your sins and you just, you don't know what to do, or you have to somehow find a way to cover that up. So that, that becomes a, either the antinomianism. Oh, well, none of this stuff, right? It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter um, the things that I do. You just deny it altogether. Otherwise you have to go with a kind of legalism, right? I have to look good. 
I have to be better than others. I have to do these certain things, have this kind of family, dress this certain way, because that is actually where I find my righteousness. And so even though you said gospel-centered, you still end up in that same place that you swore you were, you know, against, that you swore that you were trying to combat in some yeah. way. Yeah, that's true. I, I think another, in, in, in light of that thought too, I think something else I noticed is um, in the new Calvinism movement, I noticed the incarnational um, language, incarnational ministry, mm. um, it preceded a lot of this wokeism, um, missiology, uh, and, and, and I think uh, preaching. And it, you notice it was like the incarnational ministry was like live the gospel, be the gospel, yep. become the gospel. Yeah. And now all of a sudden now... Um, yeah, the gospel is pretty much, I mean, I, I'm hearing this even in, 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 um, in the PCA, like we're our piety and our neighbor loving is somehow like, uh, in this gospel pot. Um, but it, it started, it started with, a, um, a lot of like the incarnational ministry where it's like, you know, you, you go into a place and you become the gospel to people. And I, mm-hmm. I understand like, are you describing the white savior complex? Is that, <laughs> Yes, that's just yeah, what it yeah. sounds like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, being nice to people in your neighborhood, right? Like being a good neighbor. Yeah. That's yeah. the gospel. No, that's, that's the law. Gospel. I know. That's the law. It, yes. In light it, of the gospel. But, yes. This but is no, like, yeah, yeah. Like, no. So, like, cr- all, yeah, a lot of like the I am, I am Christ, incarnating Christ. Yep. Um, that language, I think, really preceded like uh, a lot of this socialized, highly socialized like gospel preaching now um, that sound, I, I don't know you guys, when I, when I hear like a, a lot of new Calvinist talk, I can't tell the difference between them and CNN. I can't. This is, and, and here's yeah, the deal. I can't tell the difference. They baptize, they, they, they baptize terminology. Yeah. Okay. And, and what gets me is, as is, as especially we've been talking is, and this is exactly why everything is a gospel issue now. Yeah, no, yes, like everything. And, and that's why well, like means nothing's a gospel. Exactly. Yep. This is right. Like, Hey, loving yeah. your neighbor, like how you treat your neighbor uh, actually doesn't like not a like, but, but what it became to mean is important, right? Can we address, can we address things yep. that are important to people? Well, the right. answer is yes. But, but again, once the gospel is about like God's power doing things for me, of course, everything I need God's power doing I need God's power to get my political agenda. I need God's power to fix my, uh, to have a better family, right? I need all these things. And that's why, and then obviously as um, social justice and these things become the thing, we need to prove to our neighbors, to prove to them we're good people that Christianity really can do. We need to say the gospel is going to, you know, help you walk through COVID restrictions and is going to help you, um, you know, reconcile your whole community and is going to give you reparations. And of course, loving your neighbor is a gospel issue. And yeah, I I think, I think it's, it's, I say this a lot of times, if you want to, if you want to say what's, what's, what's really happened is, is the narratives of our day have redefined the gospel as opposed to the gospel redefining our narratives. Mm. It, it looks, it looks, it kind of can look similar, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. very different. 
it's an important distinction. Yeah, yeah. But 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 to be fair, I do think that one of the reasons why um, a lot of uh, these young, you know, Calvinistic people are into all of these weird pieties and spiritualities, part of it is because of a dispensational, dualistic, abstract spirituality that was just about like, you know, devotions and getting people saved. There was this huge vacuum um, in the spheres of existence. Um, yeah. I, I think we, we weren't giving people like a, a robust theological vision of God's supremacy in all of life. And so we were just kind of like very compartmentalized and, and mm -hmm. wherever you have that vacuum, stuff is going to step in. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I, I understand the concern. Um, but I also think it's, 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 it's the fruits of your, you know, oversimplified, um, eschatological spirituality, um, that pretty much, you know, let's, let's all, let, let's all get people saved. Let's pray, read our Bibles and, and wait for our escape pod. And that's it, you know? Right. Um, and you're kind of seeing the fruits of that, you know, I think with, um, a lot of this weird on the ground, um, in your face spirituality. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's just helping people understand that like, uh, being active and being involved and being spiritual, um, devoid of like the, the, the Christian worldview, um, is not, it's not a, a valid alternative to a vacuum, you know? Um, but I think part of like why, why I'm, you know, I'm reformed Presbyterian reformed, um, is that this insanity that we deal with, um, has an interconnected structure by which power is decentralized, not, you know, um, um, centralized and, 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 and uh, like in an island, we have a decentralized power that's interconnected where we can work through these things together, you know? And, you know, the thing is, is like, when you say, what is, what is the reformed faith? It is our theological categories bringing us to acknowledge that power must be decentralized and that sinners need accountability, churches need accountability, um, a collective body of elders, a collective body of churches in their presbytery, a collective assembly, so that when we act crazy and we say crazy things and we do crazy things, like there's like a, you know, the Holy Spirit has a structure um, of decentralized power where, you know, in, in, in the whole evangelical movement, it's these institutions have all the power, these, you know, massive platforms have all the power and where they go you know there goes everybody else but in 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 the presbyterian world we have decentralized power everybody has one vote at the end of the day you know when we get together it's not like oh look you know tim keller like he's the the jedi master of 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 and so no he's one person um in one session um and an assembly that has one vote as we talk through things you know and so that kind of stuff matters when, um, well, it always matters, but particularly like when people are, you know, doing all these strange things that we're talking about. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I think the other great thing is when you're talking about God is supreme, again, this is exactly why there's decentralized connect, but connected power in the reform faith, because Jesus is the only king, yes. right? And so that's why none of us 
that's why we are all, you know, we are all in Christ. This is why there isn't, we don't have bishops over us. We have one bishop, we have Jesus, but he has one church, which is why we are connected and why it matters and why he has structures that why he gave this as a gift to his people, right? It's it's working that theology out further than we ever would, than I ever, I ever did in my understanding. Yeah, it's 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 not one speaking for the many. That's the uh, you know kind of like the 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 pope stuff or the evangelical pope stuff. One speaks for the many. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find it intriguing how all these elites are speaking for us. You know, poor peasant regular pastors and people like in you know uh, the intelligentsia. They they speak for like uh, us and um, you know tell us to tell me oh, oh oh wise one um, what no one else knows. You know, like it's the one speaking for the many. It's not the in, everyone speaking by themselves. So everyone is a, a pope unto themselves, but it's the many of us speaking together as one. Yeah. And when the many have to speak together as one, guess what, man, we need like the scriptures. We need the Holy spirit. Like I remember when I was a church planner, like in, in, in the Acts 29 world, I was like, it was, it was really easy to do anything. It's like, Hey, I want to do this. Can I do this? Hey, do you have a problem with doing this? No. Okay. Done. Now it's like, um, I go to the session and, uh, you know, there's, there's just like five of us, uh, and well, five on the active session, uh, active elders, uh, you know, that, that whole terminology, um, mm-hmm. there has to be a consensus amongst all of us, um, in order for me to, you know, govern and make decisions, you know? Um, and by the way, like, you know, Presbyterian elders are act, you know, they're not, a bunch of yes men of your homeboys that you point elders and say they're elders, you know, kind of like uh, <laughs> in the, the whole story of Marzil, like a lot of those, you know, those guys were just, they're your homeboys who were your yep. yes men. Who, right. you, you gave them a title. Um, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, which is also, you know, why the, the, the presbytery is important because every church, all the elders are, are subject to, you know, the accountability of, you know, other churches and, um, we subscribe to a, a, a document that governs us. So listen, if it's either one or two things that's going to govern a church, it's either going to be a personality is a document or the documents are going to be over the personalities. Hmm. And, and in my church, um, it's not Aldo says, um, it's not, you know, Chris Barrett says, it's the scriptures say, and the Westminster Confession of Faith, which summarizes the system of doctrine says, um, and our, you know, our BCO says, and so it is so important in this day and age that we're not governed by personalities, power figures, platforms, institutions that like have like this massive notoriety. It's no, there, there's, there's a, there's a historic objective governing document that is over everybody. I mean, you know, I, I was talking, um, I had this, you know, woke, I had this woke, uh, battle in my church, um, when I first got there, it was interesting. And um, I was being, you know, basically said, hey, you need, you need to preach this way, talk this way, act this way um, towards a black community for you to be like a legitimate pastor. Basically, like I need to shame white people. You know, I need to, you know, uh, make them do penance and, you know, preach messages about, you know, George Floyd. If I'm really going to like care about like, you know, black people in Miami, which is Okay, so I need to love people in Miami the way the world loves people in Miami. And that's what it means to be a Christian. But anyways, um, 
So in, in these conversations I was having, it, it was like, they were like coming to me and Tim Keller says this and, and this person says this. And I was like, Westminster confession. This is what, this is, this is the mission. Okay. This is the church. <laughs> you know, I don't care what Tim Keller says. I became a Presbyterian. So I didn't have to live in that world no more where <laughs> it was the personality and the, the mega Pope says, you know, it's no, the historic church says, okay. Um, that's, that's, that's where we go. And like, that's, that to me is, that's where true, I think, uh, in, in those boundaries, that's where true liberty to, I think, live our, our Christianity really is. Because otherwise, you, be, you become hostage to the personality, which is the governing document, the person who has the most power, the most charisma, the most voice, you know, and um, yeah. And, and then it should be no surprise that you were talking about one of the problems um, that we see, and we see it all over, right? You were like, yeah, it's actually J-Mac. He's not that bad. It's the dudes who like, I'm going to have to try and be that guy myself. Well, why do I have to try and be that guy? Well, because if that guy's the governing document, that's who I have to embody. That is, that's yeah, how I embody yeah, faithful yeah. Christianity is I embody Tim Keller. If that's who I put on, you know, or I embody John MacArthur, you know, you can put, you know, Driscoll, whoever you want on that, on that list, right. You can, and that's why you try and embody them. And, okay. and I that's, go, go ahead. ahead. I, no. I can't tell, I, I say, I can't tell you how many times, the MacArthur study Bible was referenced to me, you know, when we're talking about the scriptures, man, that, that, that thing was like, that was like, that, that's like the scope of Bible, man. So like, it's, it's almost anyways, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. That just no, 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 no. One thing you'll everyone who's listening, if you haven't uh, listened a lot from Aldo before, you'll love that he always brings everything with both barrels, no wasted ammo on any subject. So <laughs> I've missed a lot of opportunities to invite people on the show. So if you're one of the people who have, uh, who've been stomped on a little bit on the show, love you. I'd love to have you on the show. Um, especially if you own a MacArthur study Bible. Um, but no, I think that this has been, this has been so good. I think we, there are so many paths we could go down because I think there's a lot I'd like to draw on your experience from. Uh, and so maybe we'll do this again, but maybe just, because one of the things that I think was also really interesting in your story, and maybe this is a good place to leave it, is explaining why you found rest in the Reformed faith as you as you um, as we talk through these things. Because it is ecclesiastical, right? It is it is God is supreme. It is confessional. But what what about it? What about these things? Were was where the rest really was for you? Yeah, uh, I guess I could say a few things. I think the organizing principle of all of scripture and history being a covenant of grace, like God relating to us formally by a grace arrangement. Um, so it's, I'm always relating to God on the basis of himself. That just gives me always reason to be hopeful and confident in anything all the time. So everywhere in scripture, you know, whether I'm in Genesis, whether I'm in Exodus, whether I'm in Matthew, whether I'm in Revelation, um, the organizing principle is that God provides everything that you need in himself, by himself, through his son, in the spirit, in order to uh, enjoy him. And so the question in my life is not how do I give this to God? How do I 
you know, provide this to God? How do I, um, you know, meet this measure of bar? The question is, the, the question is, okay, God has provided everything to me in all of scripture, in all of history, in all of time, only entirely through Jesus. So pretty much, you know, it's me always coming to the scriptures and always coming to, to God um, with empty hands and the sacraments are not about me, you know, and, and, and I think in the, in, in the, in the non reform world, the sacraments are about your faith, your surrender, your obedience. And, and I came into like the covenantal world. No, they're, they're, they're signs and seals of the covenant of grace. Baptism is not about you. It involves you, but it's not about you. The Lord's table is not about you. It's about God recovenanting himself and giving you the, the, the ongoing uh, benefits of his grace, you know? Um, and, and so I feel like that grace, not just being a category. Okay. But the covenant of grace being a cover to cover. And it's funny to me how, like, even like in, in, in revelation 22, like where you see like, and God will be with them as their God and their people, like the Abrahamic promises are literally like echoing and being radiated through like the, 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 the consummation of the new creation. Um, I'm always provided for, and I always have everything that I need in Jesus and, and worship worship in, 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 in the reform world doesn't, it's not about conjuring up, you know, like this, 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 um, um, this, um, pious moment to make God happy. I, I go to worship on Sunday because God is providing what is necessary for his kids to enjoy him through the singing of songs and, and the administration of sacraments. And, and so just the world of grace makes Christianity, um, encouraging, hopeful, and just vigorous because everywhere you turn, God is providing everything necessary for everything and everyone all the time, as opposed to there's some other organizing principle, that there's some other epicenter. Um, and, or, or, you know, sometimes God is this way and sometimes God is, is, is that way. Um, I also believe that the Reformed tradition, as I see it, um, in, in my tradition is, 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 is so encouraging is because it frees me to see the power and efficacy of simplicity. I mean, for me, like, okay, like, how am I going to change the world? I just need to be a godly husband. You know, mm -hmm. I, I need to, I need to get married, have some kids, raise them in the Lord, you know, like get a vocation, get a regular job in a regular place. Uh, and make a good shoe at a fair price, you know, like, how am I going to like, you know, change the city? Like, I, I just need to administer the word and sacraments um, and do church discipline, you know, with a group of people. Like, there's a simplicity that is effective and transcendent in the reform world that I think outside of the reform world, it's like everything is, everything that is effective is stupendous and impressive and cosmic and massive. And so how are you going to change the world? It's, you know, it's to becoming like a social justice warrior activist and becoming like this, you know, um, you know, entertainer and, and, and CEO type. And so like the, the, the power of simplicity, um, whether you're thinking about the pastor or the Christian, you know, um, be a normal Christian in a normal church, receive the normal means of grace, you know, raise a normal family, like, uh, unto the Lord, like, and like, and like, that's what Christianity is not radical, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, 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 it's actually like a, a Christianity that, that doesn't lead to exhaustion and burnout and compromise. Yeah. 
you know? So there's just so many things I could say about, you know, what is uh, restful about this. Um, even just like uh, the fact that like we actually have, if you're really reformed, um, you actually have one day in the week where you actually slow down and, and you stop and you enjoy the Lord um, and you don't live every day of your life running on a hamster wheel, producing and performing. And so um, I think rest um, is truly like uh, in that world of like grace, um, the way we see it, you know, the way we understand it. And, and, it, and you could just go a lot of places with that, you know. Thank you, Pastor Aldo Leon, for helping us kick off this restless summer with that awesome interview. You guys can catch more from him on Patreon right now. We posted a little conversation we had earlier this week, and tomorrow we are going to release a Purely Presbyterian where we talk about the PCA, the PCA General Assembly, which is going on right now, and all things Reformed Church. I hope you join us. I think you'll like it. And if you are at the PCA GA right now listening to this, look around and think to yourself, no one here even knows I'm a restless listener. All right, catch you later.